1: tuning into the Rory Soder Show. Happy Tuesday. I hope you all had a great weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. I hope it all went accordingly, wherever you are in the country or in the world. I uh, am wishing you my best and all of my love and uh, deep support. Um, we uh, had, you know, a great... Um, Week last week, we had a great couple shows, got a lot of good feedback. Um, We have a huge show tonight. We have public speaker, political expert, entrepreneur, and author of the best-selling book called The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama. Matt Margolis will be calling in. Very excited to hear from him, first time on the show. Uh, We'll also be having on criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, Constitutional expert and New York Times bestselling author David Shistokas will be calling in. We'll also be having leaders of Blacks for Trump calling in as well. Uh, he's doing a big event. The leader of Blacks for Trump is uh, doing a big event with me down here in Arizona tomorrow. Um, he's flying here from Florida. He's flying down here from Florida, uh, and he's endorsing uh, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, for Senate. So this is a big deal. This is a big thing. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, my co-host, Josh, joins
3: me. How are you, buddy? What's going on? Doing fantastic. How are you?
1: Uh, doing well, doing well. Good to have you on. Good to have you on. Um, good weekend?
3: Oh, yeah. No, I had a lot of fun. Got some stuff done. Uh, remodeling a house right now, so, uh, you know, a little bit busy with that. And, tell us, and
1: also, you know, tell us about, a little bit about your ride-along.
3: You You did a little ride-along. Yeah, no, I so I, yeah, so last Thursday, uh, which is which is why one of the reasons that that show didn't go through. I got the opportunity to um, go on a ride along with my local police department, and boy, I just had a blast. It was it, honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I got done with it, and I was like, I might want to consider becoming a cop. So it's actually something I've been looking into. Um, it was just, it was really neat to be able to see really what they all have to deal with on a nightly basis and actually get a a little bit of a a stronger grasp on my community of, you know, what kind of people are in my community, you know, the good, the bad, and just seeing how they interacted. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I learned a ton. Did it, did
1: it scare you? Did it, I mean, did it, were there any parts that freak you out? I mean, did anything kind of give you like, Whoa, kind of like the shock, the shock moment.
3: I guess the only there was a there was I wouldn't say scared. There was a couple surprising moments, like uh, about nine o'clock. Our first real call was, um, and, which was fun because we got to go, you know, lights and sirens going through red lights and whatnot. But it was an attempted suicide, which I live in a small rural town of Ohio, and I wouldn't have expected that to happen. Um, you know, and I know that there's some drug problems in my you know city, but I wasn't expecting that. Right. Uh, And then apparently after we took the lady that had attempted suicide to the hospital, she was like throwing a chair into the wall and everything. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. You know, it was, uh, I, I definitely learned it. You know, I'm glad I did it. I'm, I'm also looking to, uh, you know, hopefully get to uh, do it with the sheriff's department that's locally as well, just to see, you know, some other areas. But uh, something that's very interesting. I recommend anybody, if you can do it, if you don't have really a criminal history at all, you should do it because you can learn a ton.
1: I bet, man. It sounds interesting. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. Um, I, uh, yeah, sounds great. It really does. And um, you did it for eight hours, right?
3: Yeah, actually 10. So they they work 12 hour shifts. Um, I was only going to do it for eight, but I was able to do it, able to do it for 10. And I stayed on a little longer because we had we had a, a, an underage drinking uh, a deal where and I, I sat and listened uh, to them talk to this one lady uh, who had, you know, and her parents had to come get, get her because she's still she's about seven days from being 18. Um, and she had <laughs> a major attitude um oh yeah and they were just they yeah. wished so much that she was 18 so they could have just booked her um but since she was yeah. a minor they you know they have to have her parents come get her and whatnot so you know it was interesting just you know me thinking that we have a nice little town there's you know there's bad people in every town and you know people who right. uh you know have a little bit too much to drink or <laughs> do a right. little too much heroin or whatever it is <laughs> so
1: I I hear you I hear you man uh, I know a lot of people actually that live in Ohio I got a lot of friends that live there so it's it's a nice it's a nice state and I used to actually have a, uh, I was actually I had I had a girlfriend out in Ohio we you know we dated for like a little over a year she lived in Cincinnati but um, you know it's uh, it's a cool place I've I, I've been to the two big the two major cities which are Cleveland and Cincinnati. And then I've been to a lot of the small towns and, like, the small cities in Ohio. There's a lot of them.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, Cleveland I, I, uh, Cleveland's very close to my heart. Love Cleveland. Love Columbus as well. Uh, so, yeah, Ohio is uh, d- definitely the best place I've ever uh, gotten to, to hang out in, and I'm just lucky enough to live here. <laughs> Although I'd like to get right. a governor. governor. Um, I'm glad John Kasich is not running again. Gosh dang, he's that guy. <laughs>
1: Alleluia to that man. That guy's the biggest fucking rhino, rhino I've ever. I mean, that guy is. He He's is, terrible. I mean, everything he does, just just the way he opposes Trump, it's it's disgraceful. Um, let's see who's calling in. Um, hello, do I have um, Matt on the line? Hello.
4: Hello. Matt.
5: Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, Matt, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Excellent. Is this uh so uh obviously public speaker, political expert, entrepreneur, and author of the best selling book called The Worst President in History The Legacy of Barack Obama, Matt Margolis. How are you, sir? Uh no, this is Mike. I'm not I'm not Matt. Oh, this is, this is Mike. Okay, then, okay, I thought I thought for some reason you were our special guest uh, who's coming on oh. shortly, but Mike, how, uh, what's going on, man? Where are you calling from?
5: Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'm calling from Missouri.
1: Yeah, yeah, what's going on? What part of Missouri? I, I like Missouri. I, I, I've been to St. Louis quite a bit.
5: Oh, by uh, Neil Joplin. Okay, cool. What's going on? What, what, You've been listening in? Yes, sir. I was. There's uh, was a lot of the, like a lot of the points you brought up, and I was, I was going to ask you. I was kind of thinking about this recently. Um, you notice how after 2016, the Democrats basically used the whole Russian narrative to excuse why they lost real, in 2016. Real real
1: quick, real quick. Um, I know it's still really early in the show. Have you listened to some of my other episodes?
5: Yeah.
1: Oh, you have. So, so because yeah, because we haven't really got to talking much yet. So I wasn't sure, you know, how you knew. Um, so obviously now that makes sense. You've listened to past episodes.
5: Yeah, no, what I was going to ask Go you was, um, I was going to yeah. say in, in in 2020, after Trump wins, which I think he is going to win, uh, I, I kind of think that the Democrats are going to use the Electoral College as the excuse for why they lost. And then they're going to start protesting in the streets. And demanding that we get rid of the electoral college and we switch to uh, a popular vote for the general election.
1: Well, Mike, I mean, you know, they you bring up you bring up a point, a good point, and and I'll let Josh go on, you know, to have this take in a second. But in, in a sense, Hillary Clinton already has blamed the electoral college. She's pretty much blamed everything um, of why she lost. Um, now she wants to abolish the electoral college. She'll so, in terms of that stance of uh, the boycotting and getting rid of it i think the the fact that hillary clinton spoke out and said she wants to get rid of it uh, a lot of democrats obviously heard her loud and clear uh but at the same time there's other democrats that don't agree with abolishing the electoral college but uh you know i i don't know if that if that helps with what you were uh, you know just just saying but um Obviously, it's not like an official thing. They're not rioting in the street over the Electoral College, but there's a lot of people bitching about it, especially on the left right now. Yeah,
3: yeah I feel like they're going to
2: twenty twenty. Go ahead, John. Now, I think
3: Mike. Mike, I think you're right. Um, you know, and thank you for listening. Obviously, but it's a good question, and I, I think. I, I do believe that there. Here's the thing. I think Trump has an opportunity now, since we've seen him in office, to possibly make a run at winning a popular vote, uh, as well as the Electoral College. Um, so I think the the circumstance may change. If that's not the case, I think they. You know, I think the same uproar will happen. A, probably a little bit more aggressively than when Hillary lost. Um, but you know, whenever Democrats lose. Uh, with an electoral college, they always get salty about it. And to be fair, I understand it. If a Republican, uh, you know, if a Democrat won with the electoral college, I would be a little salty too. Um, I understand, you know. But the, the, let's be honest, the electoral college is there um, so that you know the agenda of California and New York and a couple In other York, select states that always go so liberal. Ma-
1: you
3: know, exactly. Massachusetts, New Jersey, who are responsible for a very small amount. Of the, you know, yes. the countries you know, They just have yeah. a lot of people packed in them They always right. go liberal if, if we didn't have the electoral college Those would be deciding policy For the rest of the country And that's ridiculous And,
1: and I want to I We have our special guest on the line Who I'm going to introduce shortly But Mike you can stay on the line uh, As you please um, but, but Mike I do, I do want to mention About this electoral college I mean, uh, you know, I, I totally think that it's, it's the right and fair thing uh, in terms of what to do with, with the political curriculum. I mean, I don't see any other choice. I mean, you can't base somebody's win off the popular vote. I mean, you know, the only reason Hillary won the popular vote is because of liberal places like New York, states like New York and California, you know, if, and, and that's dangerous uh, going off of the popular vote. What's... Most times when a president wins, uh, the majority of the time in history, they've won the popular vote as well as the Electoral College. But uh, God bless the Electoral College still in there, in place, and nothing's happened to it, and I don't think anything ever will. Uh, but in terms of, like, like, and there's, I really think there'll be a huge civil war. Well, there already is a civil war, but in 2020 when Trump gets reelected, People are going to be going crazy in the streets. People are going to be fighting. People are going. This is. It'll be way worse than what we saw in 2016 and 2016 in terms of hostility and violence. I agree. Um, I, I do I do want to stay on the line, though, Mike, if, if you please. I do want to welcome our special guest, public speaker, political expert, entrepreneur, and the author of the best-selling book called The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama. How are you? Uh, and it's, it's Matt Morgalis. How are you, Matt?
4: I'm doing well. How are you
1: doing? Doing good, man. Great to have you on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, obviously you, you wrote a book about one of my favorite topics. I mean, Barack, I, you know what I call him, Barack Hussein Osama. Um, you know, that, <laughs> mu, the, that Muslim lying sack of, oh uh, God, I tell you, man, that guy is the biggest con is the biggest fraud in political history. But you're, you're going to tell, you're going to talk to us all about that. um, I do, I do want to get to something real quick, though. Um, I did not officially get to my headline story, which I will right now, which I'm sure everybody's following. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different things I want to announce real quick. Um, I want to thank, real quick, I want to thank all of my audience. Um, it's huge. I want to thank my advertisers. Um, I want to thank, um, you know, my co-hosts. I want to thank my guests. Um, but I do want to real quick say about some of the stories that are going on, um, So we haven't been on the air since last week. Uh, President Trump will plan to have uh, Vladimir Putin at the White House this fall. Uh, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of uh, anger and, uh, you know, disagreements with uh, various politicians uh, in the White House regarding this some people don't want him there some people think it's a good idea so we'll see how that comes about um you know here here's another thing that is breaking news today which i think is um very uh important and needs to happen immediately is um president trump wants to abolish security clearance for several of the obama admin individuals and we're talking susan rice we're talking um, John Brennan, we're talking Jim Jim Comey, we're talking Andrew McCabe, we're talking all of these scumbags that still have clearance for some oddly crazy reason. And, I mean, you talk about corruption. You talk about evil. I mean, you talk about some of the things they can do with this classified information. Um, I, I know, Matt, that you, you know, you're very well-educated in the political realm, and I'm sure you've been following this story quite closely. I want to get your thoughts on this.
4: So, you know, this brings up a very interesting point, as to who no longer work in government, even had these security to begin with. I mean, this reminds me of what happened back during the, uh, the 9-11 Commission when Sandy Berger uh, was, was caught stealing documents out of the National Archives, stuffing them into his pants. You know, I mean, that was probably that should have been the big red flag. that said, you know, people who are who have who have left government shouldn't be getting access to this stuff because what? Why, first of all, why do they need it? And if they're not in government anymore, what could they possibly do with this information if they're seeking it out? Uh, so, quite frankly, this is long overdue. I mean, I don't care if it if it was President Trump or, or any or any any potential Democrat president. Uh I, I think there is nothing wrong with saying once once you've left government you your security clearance is gone.
1: Yeah. Oh, and one hundred percent and and here's here's my issue with this. I actually have several issues, but a couple of my main issues with this and and by the way I do want to get to uh, everything about you shortly and talk about this book and talk about you know, you know a lot of the inside secrets about Obama and his corruptions and his scandals and I wanna to get to that. Um, but with this security clearance in general, it should never, you know, if there's a Republican in office, you know, and you have these other bipartisan people still getting clearance, security clearance, the, these people from a different party, I mean, that should never be allowed. I mean, it, I mean, it's just, just right there is basically they want that whole uh, privilege and access uh, just just for power reasons, just to be just so they have you know something uh, possibly to hold some over somebody's head uh,
4: to you know
1: j- j- you know I mean there's so many variables of why right. they mean, would want Primarily, security. They're
4: probably using it to leak to the media. I mean that's what I Ex- think that, what, what we're that, really seeing is that this that's what the sources for the media are. Is these these former government employees and and uh, you know political people who have these clearances who are uh, who are taking this information and leaking it to the media.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's disgraceful. And we all, and you know, it makes sense in my opinion, where the leakers are coming from because there's a problem with the leaks in the, in the Trump white house that some, these leaks are coming from some of these uh, John Brennan and some of these people. And the fact that John Brennan is not gone um, very, very disturbing very, very disturbing that he is, um, you know, still around. It's same with James Comey, same with Andrew McCabe, same with Peter Storr, same with Rod Rosenstein, same with all these swamp creatures.
4: (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
1: You you know what I mean? And, And it's just one thing after the other. But, Josh, go ahead. Yeah,
3: I mean, real briefly, I don't think it makes any common sense reason on why they would still have security clearance, especially this far into Trump's presidency. I, right. They're just liabilities, just waiting to cause trouble. Um, and, you know, the media can have an uproar about it, but in, at the end of the day, it's the, you know, it's the executive's call um, about whether they can have their security um, you know, preferences uh, their way or Trump's way. And if Trump wants to make the call of taking them away, then that's going to be the way it is. And um, You know, case closed. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah,
4: it, yeah. It, it makes me think, like, you know, there's a reason why, you know, when you're a president of the United States and you leave office, you no longer get, you know, intelligence briefings. You know, because what what are you going to do with this information? You're not in a you're not in a position anymore to uh, to protect the country with his information so so what are you going to do with it you know if what i mean if barack obama was still getting like intelligence briefings or or still had access to this stuff i mean do you really think he wouldn't do anything uh, uh that he shouldn't be doing with it i mean so I, I think this makes perfect sense i think it's long overdue i i think uh you know, like i said before th- this is something that should have been addressed uh, after the the sandy Berger incident during the 9-11 commission hearings And uh, good for Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll get back
1: to these current events, obviously. But what I want to get to, you know, right now is obviously tell the audience your backstory, how it all started for you. You wrote this great book. You, you know, you have a great resume. You're a very smart guy. Um, You've done quite a bit. You're involved in Washington. Uh, You know, tell us. Tell us a little bit. And then I want to. Um you know, go all into uh, the Obama scandals and all that stuff
4: well you know this this book basically uh I had written a book uh, back in two thousand six that was about the corruption in the democratic party and and you know after that and the two thousand and eight elections like I really got kind of burnt out and didn't plan to write a book again uh it's exhausting writing a book and uh you know after yep. uh, Obama got reelected I kind of just was I I couldn't understand it um it was I was really depressed and didn't know what to do with myself I didn't know how it it was hard enough getting through those four years I didn't know how I was going to get through the next four and so uh rather than spend the next four years I don't know cutting myself I decided to take that energy and write a book instead uh and so this this book is the result of you know quite a few years of research and writing and uh trying to make sure that uh something like this never happens again that we that we know uh the the real records of, of presidents before uh people make this really decision of of giving them power again uh you know we america made a pretty bad choice they were uh, I guess you could say that they were enamored with the idea of being a part of a movement that elected the first black president and uh, never once asking if this was the right guy to be president. Uh, I think that was the, identity uh, politics. Question people, yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, just there were various reasons why he, you know, it was the right moment of time for him with, with, with uh, people who were ready to come out and vote for, for him. Uh, but it it was, a really, a bad mistake. Obama was was easily the least qualified candidate on both sides of the aisle in 2008. I mean, easily. Uh, you know, he basically uh, was elected to the Senate, and you know, it took him very, very, very short time before he's like, "Well, I'm going to be president." You know, it's like, uh, you know, this 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 shouldn't have happened. I, I had I had a lot more faith in the American public when it came to uh, voting uh before that and and it really just kind of crushed me. Uh so this this book uh was kind of my response to, to all that and uh hopefully uh especially now that he's gone and people are are now trying to elevate everything that he did and turn him into this incredible guy who did so much great stuff for this country. Uh that's yeah. what this is really about now. Now that he's out of office it's really about people knowing what really happened.
1: Now, now, you know, you're making a really good point here, and I really want to get to something that – two things. First of all, do you believe the whole it, – it's, it's, it's considered a conspiracy, I would say. I mean, I guess we would classify it as that, but he was born and raised to be president. He was brought up to be. I mean, this guy was barely a senator for a few years, and he became president. I mean – um, you know, there just seemed like all of a setup and it seemed, um, you know, so quickly and so sudden. And it's like, where did this guy come from?
4: Uh, he he definitely seems to come out of nowhere. I mean, you know, his, his real uh, introduction to the national stage was in 2004 when he, uh, when he spoke at the, uh, the democratic national convention in Boston uh, and it kind of just, uh, you know, blew up from there. Uh no pun intended, uh, and so yeah. like you know, he he basically had been a he had been an only a known quantity on the national stage for about four years uh, before he was elected, and the media didn't do their job getting him. You know, there was a lot of stuff that people didn't find out about him until afterwards, uh, and they just didn't they didn't want to do the due diligence with him because they didn't want to come up with anything that was damaging. I mean, uh, it's just. the 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 media during you know was basically an an accessory to the crime of obama being being elected president and then being reelected and uh it's a it's it's a travesty that it happened uh we we deserve better from our media and uh that's why books like this have had to be written
1: now now what are your what are your thoughts about this uh, Frank Marshall Davis being his father the well-known communist do you do you have you read much
4: into that story or that synopsis I, I've heard of the heard of it uh it really uh, I I don't there's nothing in my book about any any conspiracy theories like that or the whole Kenya thing or
0: But but uh, let me ask, let, other...
1: let, let me ask you do you believe he was born in Kenya I do I well,
4: you know, I, I'll say this. I don't think it would matter if he did. The whole Kenya conspiracy theory it, uh, was was kind of like this desperate. It, it's almost like the Kenya thing is the same thing as this whole Russia collusion nonsense. It's something right. that, uh, that Which, the opposition yeah. kind of holds out hope that this is going to be the thing that's going to. Prevent, the, you know, for Obama, it was the whole the thing that was going to undo his presidency and get get him out of office, you know, just like for with this whole Russia thing, that's what the left is hoping is going to somehow cause this ripple effect where uh, Trump will be booted out of office and and Hillary is going to be installed or something. Conversation that he wasn't born born in Kenya. I really don't think it matters uh, on a constitutional yeah. basis because he his mother was. Was obviously an American citizen, and I think the spirit of the nat- of the natural born citizen law is it really doesn't have to do with really didn't apply in this case. So to me, it's irrelevant anyway. But I, so um that's it's not even worth really talking about, and all of that. But he's out of office now. There's nothing you can do about it. So we right. we need to move on from conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, now let. I don't think what I'm about to say next is a conspiracy theory, and I think it's going to open a lot of eyes, and I think it already has, uh, at least people that can see. Michelle Obama um, is a, also known as Michael Robinson, um, and we've seen Michelle Obama's arm. She's got the arm size of a linebacker in the NFL, and uh, there's no way in hell that this woman was born and this was, this was born a woman. I mean, this is a dude there is no doubt about it. I, you know, uh, you know, obviously nobody will can can confirm it for sure, but there's been lots of reports and studies that, uh, you know, can basically um, support uh, the, the, you know, the suggestion and uh strong rumor that Michelle Obama was a man at one point in her life.
4: What do you think about that? Uh, it's not something that I've ever cared to really look into because it's, it that's just not my thing. Uh, you know, for, for me, what I'm motivated by is, is strictly to what Obama did as president and whether it was good for the country or bad. Uh, obviously I think most of the stuff he did was, was pretty darn bad. Uh, I don't yeah. care about any of that stuff. You there? I'm I'm here. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, I hear you. It, it, yeah, yeah,
1: yep. I can hear you. Um, okay. You know what I do? You know what I do care about though is um, the, the the part you the part about you know the people that were around him. Obviously. You know, George Soros came out the other day and he mentioned that Obama was his biggest disappointment because Obama would not listen to him. Uh, I basically was kind of puzzled by that piece and by that news article that came out because we all know that George Soros controls uh, the Democratic Party and these politicians. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he is where the. Billions of dollars of dirty money comes from. So I found that kind of odd. I don't know if you cut you caught that article.
4: Uh, I didn't, but you know, I, I would say it almost makes sense because Obama was the kind of person who always thought he was the smartest guy in the room, and he might not be one to mm-hmm. take marching orders from from George Soros, but that doesn't mean he wasn't doing his bidding. You know, I mean, obviously that right. they have very similar uh, worldviews. Uh, I really don't think that they were deviating all that much from uh uh each other in terms of th- their agendas you know did did obama probably did obama was he savvy enough to know that maybe everything that soros wanted him to do uh was not gonna be palatable for the American people probably uh right. that's probably what he's talking about but but you know i mean we know we know that politics is all about the money and where and soros has a lot of it, so yeah, he probably uh was wanting a lot uh out of obama that you know, you can't you know not every even obama as as extreme as he was uh, you know, knew knew how to play the game and you 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 gotta you can't you, you can't just be um you can't be well you know what I'm saying
1: no no I absolutely hear
4: I hear you I hear you um
1: but you know you know talk about um you know obviously his biggest scandal in my strong opinion my strong view is the Iran deal are you on the same page with that in terms of the the worst scandal Obama ever did
4: you know it it's it's definitely a very big one uh I would say, you know, when he left office, that was definitely, uh, that had to have been, like, in the top, you know, two or three. Uh, but this whole thing with uh, spying on the Trump campaign, I think is, is probably becoming campaign? the worst. That made Nixon I, I look think, like, that made Nixon look like, like, basically nothing. It made Nixon uh, look like an angel. Yeah, I mean, I I, I say that, uh, you know, uh, Obama makes Nick, Nick, anything Nixon did look like, uh, you know, a college, you know, a uh, uh, frat prank gone wrong. You know, I mean, just there's like no comparison. I mean, Obama yeah. was doing all kinds of terrible things, but getting away with it, which, which meant that every time he got away with something, he was able, he was constantly one upping himself and seeing what more he could get away with. And, uh, and that's where, where you get, you know oh well i got you know department of justice you know my back pocket well let's see what we can do to uh uh spy on the trump campaign to make sure that hillary can get gets uh, elected and ensures that my uh legacy doesn't uh, get blown, blown yeah. up in smoke
1: exactly he wanted to carry on his legacy he didn't want to get abolished um you know with the thing with obama um you, you know you you wrote the whole book you did you have any of these predictions uh, in terms of uh, him um, spying on the Trump campaign, him doing some of these certain things when you released it in 2016? I know you're coming out with a part two as of now, uh, but did you have any predictions that uh, it turned out to be uh, accurate that, that in terms of, you know, how they were treating Trump and some of the illegal, uh, you know, routes they were going to and you know lines they were crossing to do so
4: well you know I think that as much as I felt that Obama was was, was really awful uh, I don't think I, I could have predicted just how bad he was really going to be uh, even in those last few months because like when you think about what happened with the spying with, on with the Trump campaign like that's the kind of stuff you think does not happen in this country you know i mean I, I, we we've probably said that a lot about things that Obama does like, oh, that doesn't happen here we you know we don't we don't uh condone the government taking over health care we don't condone uh you know a president saying that he has the right to assassinate citizens without due process, you know, but that stuff happens under obama uh but you know there there's always a piece of me that that has this belief that you know that core American values still exist and that even, mm-hmm. even in our enemies that, 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 you know, I want to believe that they, that they uh, still believe in America and want America to be the best country in the world. Uh, and so maybe that was just me being naive and thinking that Obama wasn't capable of, of, of that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe it was just, you know, wishful thinking, but yeah, I mean, Obama seems to always surprise me.
1: And and here's the problem with, with you know critiquing Obama, especially if you're a white if you're white, always get called a racist, always get called a Nazi, especially by the left if you politically disagree with them. And you know, and and, and you know, excuse excuse me if this offends anyone, and I have a lot of people listening, and I'm sure I'll get shit for this, but it's the truth because I have liberals. And conservatives that listen to this show, but I will tell you, Obama got away with so much because he was black. The, me- the media and certain people were worried about offending him. Were worried about being called a racist, or were worried about the backlash of con- basically confronting somebody of color. They would never confront Obama like they do Trump. They would never say the things to Obama that they say to Trump. They would ne- They would. Y- you know what I mean? Do I? You know what I mean, Matt?
4: You're absolutely correct. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. I mean, obviously the media is liberal and of course they're, they're softer on liberals, but you know, Obama from the very beginning, there's been this presumption of greatness about him and the the media felt it was the, the the media felt it was their job to maintain that, that image, you know, And, and of course other, other, other things as well. Like, you know, Obama was nominated for the Nobel peace prize, like, for doing he uh, took office for, for having done absolutely nothing. He, d- he didn't do throughout his entire presidency to have deserved it, let alone, uh, you know, a few months into, into, his, into his first term. I mean, so there's, there's always been this idea uh, that it's not just about Obama as the first black president. It's Obama has to be a successful black president. And, it, yeah. you know, like a lot of people would call him the, the affirmative action president. You know, he was right. elected because of his race and he was then he was protected because of his race. And, uh, you know, it, it's really unfortunate because right now I feel what I always tell people is that, you know, after being asleep at the wheel for eight years, the media is trying to, like, make up for lost last time. And they're scandalizing everything under Trump and that they're call, they're calling into question everything. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. I want the tr- I want the media to hold Trump accountable when he needs to be held accountable. But there's a problem when the media says we're not going to hold this guy accountable. We're going to hold this guy accountable because when the media isn't treating every president with the same kind with the, by the same standard, then certain people are going to get away with basically abusing their power, which is what Obama did. He abused his power for eight years and got away with it. Yeah. Oh, oh, he absolutely
1: did one hundred percent, and and you know he he was so protected and so covered. It's it's disgraceful how you know the media and other people, you know, never held him accountable uh, for every other day he did something that was corrupt or crooked. I mean, he he was the most he was the wor- I mean, he's it the was, most corrupt and worst president of
4: all time. There's no doubt about it. If you look at all um, the things it, he did. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was it was disgusting. I mean, my uh, my book that came out earlier this year, The Scandal Presidency of Barack Obama, there's 30 chapters in there covering different scandals. And each chapter goes into the details of the scandal, and then at the end explains how the media ignored or downplayed each of them. Every single one. Every yeah. one of them were, were ignored, downplayed, uh, you know, excused by the media I mean, that's just not right And,
1: and you know what they don't You know what they don't mention the me- You know what they don't mention They say, yeah, Obama was the first black president Well, do they not mention His white mama raised him He had a white grandma His, You know, he, he do, do they not mention this part I mean, he's not full-on black
4: Well, you know, I mean, the, the media wanted to create a narrative, and they wanted to elevate this guy, and and and, uh, you know, the, they 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 owned him. I mean, they put him in yeah. power by basically, uh, you know, I and mean, you know, it's just this kind of thing shouldn't happen. I mean, he he wasn't vetted properly. Uh, still, ha- I mean, think about it. How many things have we found out about what happened on, uh, under un, under his presidency? after he left off so many things i mean look at look at all of this
1: it's coming out every other day every other thing is a corruption uh, piece an article and you know he's nothing happens to him he just sits there enjoys his life and you know has, doesn't have to face any consequences and, and, and here's here's another thing that you know uh really uh is absolutely insanity is the fact that you have all of these things that occurred under his watch, Fast and the Furious, tarmac meeting with Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton. You've got uh, the Iran nuke deal. You've got Obamacare. You can keep, remember he lied. You can keep your doctor. You can keep your plan, one of the biggest scams in history. You got all of these different things, and you know, and this is my strong view of why the Democrats and the left want to paint him as a saint. And as a a hero, it's because he's, he, he's the they he's they say he's the first black president. I mean, even though he had a white mom, but it's identity politics. It's just like them voting for Hillary because she's a woman they and a lot of these voters are ignorant as shit because they don't look at the facts and the policies and the statistics they'll vote for a woman because she's a woman they'll vote for a black guy because he's a black guy they'll they'll do all of these stupid i mean it's it's just dumb
4: and I hate when I see it's voters it's, like, that, it's it's virtual it's virtue signaling by the by the vote it's the i i'm so yes. i'm so uh pro diversity i'm i'm such a open minded person because i voted for for the black candidate i voted for the woman if you don't vote right. for the woman or or, the, or at least the liberal woman or in the and the liberal black man then uh, you're right. obviously racist and sexist and you know i yep. mean and you know I, I would guarantee you that you know that in uh in twenty twenty at least someone on a Democratic ticket is going to be uh, some sort of a minority, whether it be a woman or a uh, Hispanic or something like that, because, because they need that shield because yeah. they're, they're not going to be able to run on their policies. Excuse me, Matt. Stay, Matt, stay
1: on the line. You're still on the air. But I do want to welcome real quick the leader of Blacks for Trump, my good friend Michael. How are you, buddy? I'm glad you're joining in on this conversation. How you doing, brother?
2: Doing How good, you doing? brother. You're going to be down mean?
1: here with me tomorrow, help me uh campaign with my friend Joe Arpaio. We're going to win this race, buddy. America first. All right, boss. I will be there tomorrow. Yep, and uh but by the way, I want you um you know, you you knew in 2008 you that Obama was the beast. Obama was the devil, Obama was Satan You wrote it in your books, you wrote it in scriptures You wrote it, like, everywhere Like, you, like And you even voted for uh, John McCain in 2008 Like, you never played the whole Identity politics bullshit uh, game And you warned people Like, you warned them That this is the guy from the Bible That's coming This is the devil This is like the rapture That's how you described it in the Right
2: thing. Yeah, well, that, well, what happened was um, Yahweh Ben Yahweh, who was my teacher, taught me. He said Bush would be the last president before a black man becomes president, but that first black man would be the beast, and he would be the image of the beast in Revelation 13. That's why Clinton, who was the second beast, announced that Obama was in his image. Everything that Obama is doing, he would be doing if he was president. And this guy, I knew he was the beast. He acted like the beast, and he was not a black American. He was never a part of being an ex-slave. In fact, his family members, the the, uh, people from the Sudan or Kenya, they were the ones that captured us and sold us to the Canaanite white people. Because white Gentiles, mostly none of them actually had us in slavery. They were the ones that were fighting to keep us out of slavery. But you had this other group of white people that look like they're Gentiles, but they're really Canaanites. But anyway, that's another story. But the point is, his people were the ones that captured us. When you read, you know, other books, like the Hebrews, the West Africa, when we ran from the Romans after we lost the war in the sauna, we settled on the West Coast of Africa as refugees. And while we were there, these different types of white people came over and confounded with the Africans, to sell us into slavery. And it was his family members that captured me and sold me into slavery. And they over here acting like they're us, but they're the ones that was in the house with those masters. So I knew he was the beast because I knew immediately he's not us. He don't even like us. He hates the white man and the black man because we're the true blood brothers that the Bible said must come together in the last days. And so when they see... When they saw me and Trump stand together on their stage, they saw the image that the Bible was talking about, the two brethren, Shem and Japheth, the black man and the white man, the Jew and the Gentile. That is the image that they're in complete fear of because they know that Trump is the one that the Bible said would be the deliverer, that would be Cyrus in Isaiah chapter 45 that Cyrus delivered Israel out of slavery, and now he's going to deliver the world out from under the slavery because he has the power to do it, because we're with him. So just uh, Senator Apio, I mean, he's not Senator yet, but Apio is another one of those images that's going to be powerful because blacks are going to stand beside him. And we're going to- Once the black man and the white man is in unity, nobody can whoop out behind. You can't get on the basketball court and whoop us. I don't see no... East Indians, Africans, Pakistanians on that basketball court. I see black people and white people, the greatest warriors on earth. And that's not racism because they're the ones that are racist against us. And it's not all of them. It's just those who are the nobles of them, the cast, right. they call them, or the cast out. So it's no, it's no skin color game because the Bible said every nation, kindred, and tongue would be going to heaven in the land. It so didn't say everybody but them, but, but. The leaders of them are the murderers Of the white man and the black man They got you being blamed And I gotta say this one part that you To go on what you were saying What you're wondering Why Hillary can get away with all that Because if you read the scripture Zechariah 11.5 They would kill us and break all laws And hold themselves not guilty Revelation 12.10 says They are the accuser of the brethren That accuse us before God every day the same way they accuse accused Yahweh Ben-Yahweh, they're doing the exact accusation on Trump. They even are calling for him to be put to death. I mean, these people are crazy. Why would you want to... What did he do wrong? Absolutely nothing. You just accuse Trump for no reason because you're scared because the black man and the white man is about to come together, and when that happens, is over. All we have to do is acknowledge each other, and they're doomed. If we don't acknowledge each other, we'll be like beasts in the field for the next seven years, that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Israel helped him build it, and then he didn't acknowledge him and said, "Look what I have done, and then God wiped him out. so we're not going to let Trump get wiped out because trump every time he sees me, he says something there's the brother he helped me right there, that's black for Trump. I love that guy say so he he acknowledged me you know i have there are some white people that are you know unacknowledging but for the most part, I am loved by them because I love them desperately. I'm here to fight to you. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry for taking up so much time. Absolutely. I want you know what I wanted to ask you, Michael. And
1: uh, you know, yeah. you, you mentioned something the other day, and I'm going to use the word, and I and I never use the word because you know it's not it's not in my vocabulary, but I'm going to say it, quote unquote. You use the term white nigger. What did you mean by white nigger?
2: Okay, what I meant by that is I've I've noticed that uh, you know, like Yahweh, then Yahweh taught me, said they would everything they're doing to me, they're going to do to, to me, us in latter days, and they're going to do it to white people. And the way they accuse them, they're accusing Trump, and what they're calling Trump and his followers, for example. Just because we believed in God, we were called a cult. Now we believe in God, guns, and having our guns and all that. So now they're calling Trump white Gentile brothers a cult. Then they used to call black people, which was us, smelly Negroes. or They say the other word, but I just said that to be nice. But smelly Negroes, now you, you, you just struck and his wife and girlfriend are calling, calling white Gentiles smelly. And I can smell those Republicans and then they call they call us in, the N-word nigger, right? Uh, what's that guy's name? Robert Byrd and George Wallace. You know what they said? He said, you know, we have a lot of white niggers. He said that right on spot. So everything they call us, they call you. 30% of all the hangings in doing the um, black, black coal and Jim Crow and slavery, 30% of all the hangings, were white Gentile brothers who were trying to, fix, who tried to free me. And see, white people are going through exactly what we're going through, because everybody was wondering how I was able to do an event, and I had the Occupy Wall Street and the Tea Party on the same stage, because I was able to explain to the Occupy Wall Street, I said, listen, you are absolutely against the same people that the Tea Party is against. I go to the Tea Party every every Saturday, and this is what they say. It's reverse discrimination, and the banks are killing us, and, and, and they're not being punished, and we're, we're helping the banks unwarrantly. Then I go to Occupy Wall Street, and they say, Oh, my God, uh, it's discrimination, and, and the banks are foreclosing on us. They're they're all, we're all against the same people, but they are so slick. They got the black man and the white man fighting against each other. When 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, that the time for the two brethren to come back together is now but they will not come back together except the sons of perdition is revealed and moved out of the way. The Sons of Perdition is is uh, what's that guy's name? Oh yeah. Obama, the beast. You gotta you gotta reveal that guy. You gotta reveal Saud. You gotta reveal Rockefeller and Rockstar who all sitting in the background acting like they're doing nothing when they're the ones with sorrows, wiping out white men and black men and taking our property all over the country, called foreclosure when East Indians, and pakistanians cannot be foreclosed on. I can actually, when you go to my website, they got a, a a list of things that they don't have to go through. They got that UCC right. They can get, kill you and go to a safe zone. They they can't be arrested. They got people fighting for them. You got Como keep letting them all out of jail. I mean, it is crazy when you go yeah. to jail. You don't see none of them in jail ever there was There's only there was white a new, there, men the black men and Latin men. My, Michael, sorry, you're absolutely ahead.
1: you're absolutely right, Michael, and you're right. Andrew Cuomo did pardon those seven prisoners. Um some of them well actually all of them if if not all of them, the majority of them were uh convicted of murderous crimes, which is horrendous. And we all know it's just for political gain. The reason he's doing this, um, but Matt, well, I want to get back. They hold you.
2: themselves not guilty. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead, real quick, Michael. Said, and they and they hold themselves not guilty. So right now it's time for us to unify, or we're dead. We must win the midterm so that they will not arrest Trump and kill me and then kill us all. Because that's what Hillary really wants to do. Because she's a bastard from hell. As is Obama, right. that you all scared to say he is a bastard, he is a dog, and he will go to jail because Revelation chapter twenty says he will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Right now he feels immune to it because he's black. Damn that black crap! You are an East Indian bastard that murdered my people, and you got you you helped Clinton put one point two million black men in jail, and I despise your gut like I despise that. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who whose who's great great grandfather uh, Anthony Johnson, because you know her real name is Johnson. Anthony Johnson was I, the first slave owner in America, and he was black from Angolia. And yet, we, and yet she acts like she's us when she hates our guts. She is a Ma- she Michael. Is a I want to get Matt master. to re-
1: Matt. Go uh-huh, ahead. I want you is. to re- I want you to respond. And I want you I want to get back to you, Matt, a little bit. Michael, stay on the line for a second.
4: <laughs> uh, what can I possibly say to all that?
1: I know, Matt Matt, that's a lot to take in. My, the, my Michael is very insightful, very knowledgeable, can't stand Barack Obama. You and him
4: have got a lot in common. <laughs> Well, you know, I can say this. You know, I, I think it's very clear when you look at the record of Barack Obama that, for someone who claimed that he was going to be a uniter, he uh, he succeeded in dividing us worse than we have since the Civil War, and uh, we're seeing that division play out right now. And uh, I, I hope it's something we can recover from because uh, it, it was it was pretty brutal. This country hasn't uh, hasn't been this divided in so long that uh, I. I I think a lot of people would call this a, a cold civil war. Uh, I yep. hope it doesn't escalate uh, even further. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, that's another uh, big legacy of Barack Obama is is this kind of uh, uh, gross kind of partisan division that uh, is is really tearing this country apart. It
1: absolutely it absolutely has. And and, and Matt, you, you know, you go into a lot of detail in your book. Please explain a little bit. I, I, I want to know, you know, obviously, you know, getting into Obamacare, I mean, that, that, that's possibly the biggest scam of all time. I mean, at least one of them. You know, it's in the top five in political history. I mean, you talk about people losing money, people dying, people going bankrupt. You know, you can't keep your doctor like Obama said you could. Uh, it goes on and on
4: yeah and and the and the real stickler about it is that it it really didn't increase the number of people who were getting uh more access to health care uh One of the things that I cite in my book is that um you know there there are polls that have been taken about you know how you know what percentage of people ha, uh, are delaying health care over cost. and obamacare really did did not improve those numbers at all. So all this money has been spent. This huge bureaucracy created for what? To redistribute wealth so that uh, uh, you know poor Socialism. people can can have access to communism. health care, and then and then the middle class gets screwed. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I mean that that that's the bottom line, and the middle
1: class is paying for somebody that sits around and does nothing all day.
4: It's disgraceful. Yeah, and, I, and you know, you know, taxes are always on the hook for people that uh, that that can't support themselves. And, and you know, yeah. I mean, obviously the question as to whether the country should be helping people in need is, is is a whole other issue. But uh, right. the problem is, is that Obama didn't help do anything to lift these people up. You know, right. more and more people were went on food stamps on his watch. Poverty got worse. Poverty was at fifteen uh, percent for. Uh, I, I believe it was like three years. Unemployment under Obama. was
1: at its worst. Everything was at its
4: worst, and um, it, I mean, it was just it was it was terrible. It, it it really was, and you know, people need to understand this. And you know, when you talk with people who support Obama, you know, they act like yes. it, it was the best eight years uh, that, that that that'll ever be. And you know, there are polls now that that people there there are people who consider Obama to be the best president of their lifetime. I mean, and what what, what universe in the multiverse are they living
1: on? Exactly. Um, real quick, Matt, stay on the line. I want to welcome uh, my next special guest, uh, criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, constitutional expert, New York Times bestselling author, David Shostokis. How are you doing, buddy?
6: I'm doing great, Rory. Great to join you guys. I know there's a lot going on. And I'll be happy to uh, pop in when I need to. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have you here. Matt Matt Margolis is with
1: us right now. He wrote a book that was a bestseller called "The Worst President in History: The Legacy of Barack Obama." So we're just we're we're just going some going over some of that right now. Um, But you know, Matt, you have you have this you have this story, and you have all of these different chapters. How long did this book take to put together,
4: and how many chapters are there? Um, well, the, I started, uh, me and my co-author started working on it uh, shortly after the 2012 election. Uh, so you know, let's, let's just say it started in January 2013. Uh, and then we we had a version of it out, you know, uh, six months later. Uh, that version was called 150 Reasons Why Obama is the Worst President. Uh, and then a little, little, well, you know, it was out for a few months, didn't sell too well. Uh, so we took it down, we updated it, expanded it, and then re-released it in July of 2016. Uh, in that, in that version, uh, so basically, you know, we were working on it for, you know, basically about three years. Uh, and that's the one that, uh, just, just took off. We sold thousands and thousands of copies, became an Amazon bestseller, and, uh, then, uh, you know, fairly recently, uh, you know, I came up with my other book, uh, the scandalous presidency of Barack Obama. And then my publisher, uh, uh, actually the, the one thing I forgot to mention was the worst president in history was, uh, self-published. And then my publisher, uh, for the sc- the scandalous presidency of Barack Obama bought the paperback rights. And so we updated the book again and, uh, that's where we are today. Today's, uh, the launch day of the new book. And, uh, Actually, I can tell you that it's now in the top 500 books on all of Amazon. Wow, and this is part two. This is the, the updated and expanded edition. Yep. So, so,
1: so get into detail with me a little bit and with us. Uh, you know, the chapters that stick out, you know, the, the, the ones that really, uh, you know, obviously I can imagine how hard it is to write a book like this especially when he's the worst president in history, worst president in history. Everything he's done is corrupt. Everything he touches turns into a complete disaster. I mean, the guy, the old, the, he fooled everybody with his good speeches. The only thing he ever did that was good is he could speak well and he could fool anyone, which, well, not anyone, but a lot of people, which is why he got elected. But I can just imagine like the anger and just the energy level of like, Oh God, I'm writing about this guy. And you know, all of the the scandals and the, (laughs) just all, everything, all of the above and you, and I'm wondering the, the ones that stuck out to you the most.
4: Uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> uh well first of all uh, the, the the book is divided into chapters uh you know we did a lot of research on a whole bunch of things and then we we wanted to organize everything so there's a whole chapter on the economy there's a whole chapter on domestic issues and corruption and foreign policy uh, there's a whole chapter on obamacare and then there's one on terrorism and uh you know we i don't, I, I don't want to say that there's any one chapter that that stuck out i mean obviously you know, Obamacare. You can consider that a single uh, piece of legislation that was worthy of its own chapter. So obviously, that that's a pretty big one. Uh, but you know, like I, I've I've always felt that you know the corruption stuff is is very significant. You know, uh, when we retooled this book for the new edition, we we combined stuff from different chapters into a new executive overreach chapter. Uh, you know, a lot of his constitutional abuses while he was there. Uh, you know, that's 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 some pretty scary stuff. You know, you can argue about policy being bad or not, but you know, the Constitution in uh, violating the Constitution is pretty serious stuff. And I think Obama established a precedent where, you know, people felt that as long as they agreed with what the what the ends were, the means were okay. If if Obama violated his executive authority to accomplish some sort of left wing agenda, the the left were okay with it, and you know like the, right. the left they they were okay with him using his executive pen to do whatever he wanted, even even if without the you know because he was the one that said you know uh, if Congress won't act I will. That's not how the that's not how our government's supposed to work. You know,
5: right. a right. Constitutional I mean, Professor, that's not uh, how it's supposed but, to work. But you could you could apply that same criticism to Trump. Look you out! Know, you don't look want to have a I said
4: that's unconstitutional. Speaking of the double standard point, I definitely agree that I don't want don't want Trump to be using exec, the executive pen to to to, to govern. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do feel that any any executive action that Obama did that he can undo with the pen, uh, I'm totally fine with. You know, like a lot of people, yeah. You know, there 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 are judges that think that uh, that, that that Trump. Uh, essentially undoing uh, DACA, which was unconstitutionally implemented by, by, by executive order, it was unconstitutional. Yeah,
1: that's what I just said. I just said it was unconstitutional DACA, and that's one of many things that he signed that was unconstitutional.
5: Exactly. I mean, but I mean the, the, the principle know, I, of executive orders we have to agree with because Trump, for example, Trump's doing executive orders for the same reason Obama did, which is you can get no legislation through Congress right now. Because Congress is, everyone's so locked into their positions, you right. can't get anything through, so you're forced to have to do it. So while you I right. disagree actually with the point, like why he did it, I, I disagree with his policies, but the fact that he did it, I mean, Trump's doing the exact same thing. So we can't, if we if know, we make I, that work, we're going to appear hypocritical. I'd, well, like,
6: to, I, I I'd like to jump in that. on that oh, sure. and, uh, and indicate Who is
5: that, that just that's talking? not Who was that
6: just talking? Oh, that's Mike. Oh, okay. All right, Mike.
1: Um, but
6: David, go uh, ahead. Can that, David, yeah, go ahead. I'd li- I would like to jump on in on that. And, and frankly, uh, there has only been one executive action that Trump's uh, taken that's been uh, been a bit of an overreach. Everything else is either undone, on constitutional work of Obama's, or in fact uh, been in uh, been in furtherance of policy that's authorized by Congress. Just the fact that uh, courts have disagreed with that simply because the courts don't like the policy doesn't necessarily mean that what the president has done, because uh, I would suggest to you that the courts have been lawless in many circumstances uh, in their analysis of Trump. Most recently, most recently, when he did some things in response to this uh, phony uh, separation of the families at the border thing, that was the first executive order he issued that was contrary to law. Uh, he had been enforcing the law up to now, and he's probably been the president that's most filed the Constitution in my lifetime. There's been yeah. one executive order of the whole slew that, uh, and in fact, uh, even with uh, within that that particular order, there was a direction for the Justice Department to go back to the court in California and ask to uh, ask to rework this uh, Flores uh, Flores consent decree. That, it, that was involved there so even within the confines of issuing an order that was beyond uh, outside the law and beyond the president's uh, beyond the president's authority, there was a direction to go to court to try and work with the court to uh bring that order into compliance with the with the president's authority. I'm going to uh, disagree vehemently that Trump has not used his power ovaries and in fact he's regularly demanded congress to uh, Act when they when they appropriately do. In fact, there's been people that had suggested that he undo his um, his executive order regarding uh, terminating DACA, and he said, "How could I do that? Because undoing the order would in fact reinstate a constitutional, an unconstitutional circumstance. What we need is for Congress to act. He has regularly placed the ball in the court where it belongs, into the legislative branch." And uh, I would I would hardly suggest that uh, the orders that he has taken that he's issued have been well within accepted historically accepted presidential power that's been delegated either directly by the Congress or is implied through the presidential uh, presidential powers that are inherent in the office. And uh, as as to, as to and bless and bless you for your work in accumulating the. The things on uh, on President Obama, easily the easily the most unconstitutional president in our lifetime, that uh, would in fact uh, and 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 blatantly would say, I've got a pen and I've got a phone and I will do what I want to, even regardless of what Congress does. President Trump's approach has been 180 degrees uh, separated from that. In fact, he's been throwing things back to the Congress showing that the Congress is the one yep. that doesn't act. And, in fact, people are unhappy with him when he enforces the law. And it says, if you don't like the law, go back to the Congress and tell them to change it. You know, exactly. I think the
4: one thing that we've really learned from the, Trump, from, from the Trump administration is just how out of control the judiciary is. I mean, we, we've seen them make these rulings, like with, with, like with the travel ban. I mean, the the authority of the president to to restrict uh, immigration is very very clear in the law, and you, and then you get these out of control judges that that are basically saying no, you can't do that. Uh, I, and there's been whole all all of this. It seems like uh, especially in the first year, it seemed like every time Trump did something, there was some judge somewhere that said, oh well, I don't like it, so you can't do that. And it's like, well, what's going on here? Uh, I mean we can't This is not how government's supposed to function the, the the judiciary is that, out of control
6: That's absolutely correct uh, The It's been the judiciary out of control And bless the administration At this juncture For not taking the Andrew Jackson approach the, Like um, John Marshall has made his ruling Let's see him enforce it uh, because I truly, the whole thing regarding the travel ban was such a farce and such a fiasco, where judges were imposing their policy preferences, not not creating, not following the uh, legal precedent. And if you and if you think the president has too much power on immigration, then Congress needs to go back and change the Immigration and Nationality Act that gives him pretty darn carte blanche. And in fact, it would be legal if he were to, in fact. Say I'm going to keep Muslims out of the country because they're Muslims. It's legal under the laws as it stands. And, you know, I mean, that's not what he did. But the fact is, is, if if and if the Congress wanted to take away that power, they have the authority to do that. It's the it's the do nothing Congress and the judiciary out of control. The one person that in fact has been following the law judiciously, with one singular exception, he caved under this. Uh, Terrible, uh, terrible marketing of separating the families at the border. But with that single exception, there's been no president that's more closely followed the the Constitution and presidential authority than uh, President Trump. Well said.
1: Very well said. And, um,
3: uh, you know, Josh, go ahead. I know you want to speak on this. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah. um, I actually had more of a question for Matt Um, real quick. What do you think, and, you know, throughout your research here and with the new book coming out, what do you think was the most egregious act by Obama during his presidency? If you can pick one or maybe, maybe, you know, your top two or three. Well,
4: you know, um, there are a lot of things that happened and it's, and it's very difficult to just pick one thing. So I mean, you're definitely right. It is it is it is not an easy thing to take a whole eight years of of, of stuff and say this is the one thing. But I, I would say that the the definitely I feel that the the, uh, the spying on the Trump campaign uh, for bogus reasons uh, was kind of like the culmination of of eight years of Obama getting away with everything, and he felt that in order to protect his legacy this is what he had to do uh, yep. and you know i i i think uh the fact that we've been learning all about this after the fact after he's left office i mean now that he's been out he's been out of office for over a year now and we're still learning things we're still fighting to find out information there's still people involved that are better that are trying to protect the, the the facts from getting uh getting uh, uh revealed uh this this is this is very scary stuff that should not have happened uh in the United States of America and it, this is the stuff that became commonplace under Obama with uh, you know, two attorney generals uh, uh that were uh basically in his pocket who who were they were all like in cahoots to protect each other instead of to uh basically execute the law. And uh it's a terrible legacy that uh that that Obama has and uh you know I am I am grateful every day that uh Trump defeated Hillary because if it, if it, if he hadn't we wouldn't be knowing any we wouldn't it. have had a country left. We would not have had a country left. Um
6: I have a question I have a question. Yeah go uh, ahead dude you've been, study, you've, been studying, you've been studying this Matt and it's it's always been curious to me. I don't know uh there's certainly uh, indications from the uh page uh, exchanges that uh um, practically all this was uh, being overseen by the White House. And right. I, I, have, I have some belief that even though everybody thinks that it was like these things were going on to protect Hillary, I get the impression that really what was going on was protecting Obama. Is that is that right. kind of uh, something you understand from your work?
4: You know, one of the things that doesn't seem to get a lot of attention is that, uh, you know, like the Hillary email scandal wasn't just the Hillary scandal. It was an Obama scandal as well because he was communicating with her through her private server. So he was equally as guilty uh, 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 of what was going on there, potentially transmitting uh, classified, highly classified, top-secret information through unsecure unsecure means. So, I mean, Obama was – is implicated in this but no one seems to be like making that connection i mean and we've known like this came out uh, in the ig report but we knew about this over a year ago but no one cared yeah. i covered my book yeah. but you know no one was talking about it no no one was making the connection that obama want, knew he was the, he was the one that, that was said oh, i heard about it like everyone else on the news that was completely Matt, false i want to get i want to get right back to this i want to get right
1: back to this. But real quick, I want to play a clip, and this has to do with the whole border thing, and from Obama from 2014, he said he says the same thing as Trump says, and the media, the media or the liberals gave him no backlash, but we all know they want to find everything to pick on Trump with. But I want I want to get back to what we were talking about, but I want to play this real quick, and I want you to obviously fill in on the input. I give your input on the outrage, it's absolutely ridiculous, because it's been like this since Bill Clinton uh, put it into uh, law. Uh, one, once We're
6: not doing anything.
0: You mentioned immigration. There's a humanitarian crisis on the border. Some of your critics have said you have to speak out more directly to the people of Central America and say, don't come. If you come, you will be deported. Well,
5: we actually, just, we've done that. The problem is, is that under current law, once those kids come across the border, there's a system in which we're supposed to process them, take care of them, until we can send them back. But like the what we don't come. Oh, our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied, uh, on trains or through uh, through a bunch of smugglers. That is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. More importantly, they may may not make it. Let's talk about Iraq. How serious is this ISIS?
0: There you go.
1: <laughs> there you go. Wow. No difference. No difference in what Trump said.
4: Well, you know, but the you difference is, of, is that Obama you know, was black and Trump was racist. Boss. You know, uh, I mean,
1: that's
6: what it
4: had comes had down it. to.
6: There's no difference. In what they said, but there is a different. There, there is a difference in how they were executing the the policy. The uh, the whole catch and release uh, policy, of course, is in violation of the Immigration and Naturalization Act, which indicates that they shall be detained. That's a direct. That's that's the way the law is, in fact, written. And when uh, when the Trump instituted the policy of following the law, that is detaining people that come yep. across the uh, border illegally as opposed to yep. the catch and release policy that right. set the stage for, for larger numbers of folks being, uh, being detained, but that's what the right. law says. It says they shall be detained. Right. And so right. so regardless of what Obama was saying, that's not the policy that he was enforcing and the people, right. uh, and, and word gets across, uh, word gets out there. So that was, that was actually what he was saying, Was in fact another implication of uh, another lie, Uh, because that's not the policy. That's not the way they were enforcing the policy. And so this is a this is a real real this is a huge problem. And I but Matt's point uh, about the fact that I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, picking up picking up your book myself, Matt. Um, I know it'll uh, increase my knowledge. But what you were saying about the email scandal actually being an Obama scandal has been something that's been percolating in the back of my head, that, in fact, all these uh, things they're twisting and turning about protecting Hillary, they were never really protecting her. They were protecting Barack Obama.
1: His legacy. Absolutely. They didn't want his legacy to to be tarnished.
6: Yeah, well, even – but at the time that the investigation was going on, he was still president. And uh, and in fact, if they're doing that that original, if they charge her and he's still president, how long, how much longer would he have, he would not have survived his last six months?
1: Well, you guys, real quick, guys, I really I want to play this clip real quick. Um, you know, we all know the whole Carter Page thing was they just used Carter Page as kind of a fall guy. Uh, to get the FISA warrant illegally, obtain it, and I mean there there's all this corruption behind the whole FISA thing, and it's it's a complete joke. Like you and I, David, uh, talked about on the phone earlier. Uh, you know the way they redacted it, but um, I do want to play this quick clip of what uh, Tucker Carlson makes a great point of uh, on on Carter Page and how uh, you know this was an absolute setup, which we knew from the get go, but this this is brand new today.
7: Uh, one five. <laughs> good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Last week, we broke the story that CIA director and political extremist John Brennan, as well as other Obama officials, somehow retained their security clearances long after leaving their government jobs. This allowed them access to highly classified information, including leaks from former colleagues who are still working in the intel agencies. Today, the White House announced it is seeking to revoke those clearances. We'll have more on that in just a moment. But first, we finally have a copy of the FISA warrant application that allowed the Obama administration to spy on the Trump campaign in 2016. That document is heavily redacted, but certain facts are clear. The clearest of all, the Obama administration argued with a straight face that Carter Page was a secret agent working for the Russians. This is absurd, and yet it was widely believed in Washington. Watch this. There was a very clear belief that Carter Page
3: was conspiring, conspiring um, with Russia to, in ways that,
7: that were nefarious. There was overwhelming evidence to have probable cause to do surveillance on Carter Page. It would have been a dereliction of duty for our FBI not to have sought a surveillance warrant. As you say, it makes a compelling case that there is probable cause to believe that Carter Page was acting as an agent of a foreign power. A compelling case, really? Well, if it's so compelling, why aren't we hearing that case in court at Carter Page's treason trial? Well, because it's total nonsense. It's a bad joke. The FISA application doesn't even begin to prove that Carter Page betrayed his country in any way. But the application does prove other things. We now know, for example, conclusively, that the discredited Steele dossier was central to the Obama administration's request to spy on the Trump campaign. Former FBI Director Jim Comey has publicly denied that, perhaps assuming the actual request would never be released. Comey claimed that the dossier was not a significant part of the government's request, and that turns out to be a lie. Not only did the Obama administration use the Steele dossier as the basis of its spying request, it appears the FBI did essentially nothing to verify the claims of the dossier, despite the fact they knew it was a partisan document paid for by political operatives. The Hillary Clinton campaign. And the DNC, it was too good to check, apparently. Instead of sending its own agents to run down the facts, which, of course, it could have done. In fact, it exists to do. The FBI instead cited a Yahoo News article to prove that the dossier was reliable. The only problem with that, the Yahoo piece was itself based on leaked information from Steele. You'd have to be utterly incompetent to do something like that or totally dishonest. Can you guys believe
1: that? Can you guys believe this?
4: I, you know, I researched Obama's uh, entire eight years. I can totally believe this. I mean, he, he I was, you you know, wrote it. no, I didn't... And...
6: Yeah, well, I, I I actually I actually do uh, believe that, but I, unfortunately, I have to uh, say that I have a I have a piece up on my website. Of course, I believe it. About... But it's just... I mean, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I mean,
1: the 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 how how much corruption, and how much dishonesty, and how much illegal activity was going on in the Obama admin and the FBI and the DOJ for all these years, and for uh, for quite a significant amount of time, we
6: were not aware of it. No, that's uh, we we were clearly um, not aware of it. Uh, I don't know that we didn't uh, suspect it. Uh, and it, we've already and unfortunately uh people always paint uh, paint the issue of uh, questioning uh the FBI and the intelligence agencies as somehow being un-American or unpatriotic uh somehow like uh, these folks are uh, involved in uh going out and actually actually dying at least at the uh, top the top administrators the political appointees uh uh, that, but the political appointees are just that, the political appointees. And uh, and you and you really, we only, get, we can only, you know what we have to do with our own intelligence agencies is what Ronald Reagan said to do with our adversaries, and that is trust but verify. And uh, yes. there's, there's really been no verification, there's only been trust. And so little by little, power and absolute power corrupts. And uh, that's what that's what's happened, and so it's uh, and it's been about uh, protecting Obama. But it goes deeper than that. Uh, Matt, do you, do you talk about the IRS situation at all in your book?
4: Oh, absolutely. There's a whole there's um, well between you know uh, in the scandalous president of Barack Obama. There's a whole chapter on it. Uh, it's touched upon briefly in in, in the worst president in history. You know the the scandals are given a little bit more. Uh, detail in in the in the earlier book, the scandalous presidency of Barack Obama, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's 30 different scandals uh, in the scandalous presidency of Barack Obama that I cover, and that's certainly really uh,
6: weapon. They, they they kind of weaponize the government, you know. Generally speaking, uh, they weaponized uh, the IRS. That, just... They weaponized the DOJ. They weaponized
4: the FBI. I mean. You know, Drug cartels. Uh, Remember was, when Eric Holder sold guns
1: to the Mexican cartel?
4: Yep, and they lost yeah. track of them, and then we lost a couple border agents because of those guns. So, and then, and then the best part is they tried to blame George W. Bush for it. And, and let's
1: you know, yeah. let's not forget. I mean, you got all of these things with Obama. You've got the stimulus package, which was a complete. Disgrace, I mean that was
4: a complete fraud. you remember that right? Oh yes, the the, oh, yeah, the, that was, uh, yep. the stimulus that was going to uh, prevent us from going uh, to above eight percent unemployment, and we ended up going close to ten. yes,
1: yes, elaborate on that a little bit. You wrote that about that in your book, right
4: yes uh yeah the the funniest thing about the uh the stimulus was that uh, the the White House had released this this graphic showing. Uh, what unemployment was going to be like uh, without the stimulus and, and with the stimulus, and this was how they they sold they sold the the stimulus to to get it passed and uh, by the you know the Democrat controlled Congress, and the economy actually per, uh, performed worse than what the than what the Obama White House had predicted it would have done if there had been no stimulus at all.
6: Right. Incredible, and I mean, it's, it's not really, really incredible. It was a
4: complete waste of money. Complete waste of
6: money. Well, yeah.
4: It, it, and you
6: look at, at all brings,
1: the tax. Go ahead, David.
6: I'm going to say that it brings all this much more important to make sure that there's retention of control of the House of Representatives at the, during the as during the midterm elections. Because after that, if, if there is no continuing congressional investigations, so much of this will wind up swept under the rug. On the other hand, if there's an increase in, represent, in, increase in the Republicans in the Senate, and I really believe that there will be, and you retain control of the House, I do think that there'll be a time when we'll have a real attorney general. After the midterms, and there's a good chance that the uh, dogs will then be unleashed upon the people that have abused their powers. And I think it's really, really critical, really, really critical that the House be uh, retained so that those investigations continue and that the president is then in a political position, put in his own, his real own people that can take charge of the Justice Department And actually do justice. You know, it's really great for everybody to talk about these scandals and about how terrible it is and et cetera, et cetera. But unless and until somebody in a position of power actually goes to jail, we continue to be in danger of this happening again. Yeah.
1: And and here's the thing, Dave, and you bring up a good point, David, I mean – you know, we talk about it and we talk about it, and obviously, our wishful thinking is Hillary Clinton being put in handcuffs, Jim Comey being put in handcuffs, Andrew—I uh, mean, you know, Andrew McCabe being put in handcuffs, Peter Stork handcuffs, all these, all these mofos and handcuffs, and Eric Holder especially. I can't stand that son of a bitch. <laughs> um, but you know, you got you got all these different you got all these different people. Um, you know that that were involved with this Obama administration, and you know they got some nerve calling out treason against President Trump last week for simply just sitting down and having a simple meeting with Putin. We all remember what President Obama did on hot mic, uh, saying, "Oh, after after this la- this next election, I'll have a lot more flexibility to talk with Vladimir." Quote unquote is what he said. On hot mic, I'm, I'm sure people have seen the video. I'm sure you've seen it, Matt, right? Oh absolutely that's that then now if you want to if, if anybody wants to talk about anything remotely close to treason, that's treason um, and, and the whole double standard matt it it's existed forever um, it, it's a disgraceful it's a disgraceful uh, subject. Uh, you know, we've never found a way to uh, move past it it's always there. The Democrats are always the victims. They're the ones that, you know,
4: are have that game uh, in their pocket. I mean, they play it so damn well. No, they they it's, they're they're relentless with it. I mean, it's just like um uh you know, there was the Biden rule about not about not uh, you know, nominating someone to the Supreme Court during election year, which they ignored. Right. Uh, when, it, when it was Obama, when, you know, for with Obama uh, replacing Scalia uh, and then ultimately yeah. they're coming back and, and then they're trying to say, oh, well, we don't want you to nominate anyone during a, a midterm year because there's an election. It's like, yeah. well, it's not a presidential election. So the, you know, yeah. Democrats are, are notorious for basically coming up with their own rules and changing the rules every time they can. To, uh, it's always in their favor. You know, I mean, and, know, they're the ones and, that basically eliminated the filibuster when when it was inconvenient for them, and then they, then they complain yeah. that there's that they that they have no power right now in the Senate.
1: Yeah, get, getting well, back to your book, first, back getting this. getting back, David real David real quick, real quick David. Um, getting back to your book for a second, uh, Matt. I just have a quick question. Do you talk about the 2008 collapse of how Obama bailed out the big banks and basically told small business owners to take a hike? And basically left every middle class citizen stranded <laughs>
4: well, you know the the book uh, covers a lot of things. Uh, Obama with the banks was definitely an interesting one because you know uh, Obama said that he was gonna go after them, and then he didn't, and uh, right. a lot of a lot of people who were screwed over uh, uh, then got screwed over essentially again because there's no accountability. And then, uh, you know, then there was the whole slush fund scandal where, uh, you know, banks were that that did end up having a settle with the government were able to reduce uh, th- their uh, settlement liabilities by donating to pre-approved left-wing organizations uh, that were, you know, Obama approved. I mean, just some right. some really really shady stuff going on, and uh, it's it's the kind of thing that you that you know it is in a way stranger, stranger than fiction. You know, you can't, you can't, you couldn't write, uh, like a political horror novel, uh, that'd be worse. No, I know. I, I,
1: hear, I hear you. And now, now is, now, it's, now is the same thing you talk about, um, in your book about, you know, when Obama, um, he, Oh God, I just, I just lost my train of thought. Go ahead, David.
4: I know you had
6: something. Go ahead. No, that's uh, that's okay. I started listening to Matt, and I lost the train. I lost the comments I had at that particular point in time. But the fact is, is and those kinds of things that uh, that Matt's talking about and exposing are really, really important. But they only become important if power is properly maintained, and people that participated in this are punished. Because again, there's any number of reasons they have criminal laws. Some of them are for revenge, uh, some of them are for rehabilitation. Some of them are just to be happy. but the most important is deterrence. The most important is to show people that even if they reach these places of power they are they have to follow the law or else they will pay a price. That's the only Absolutely. way we can that's the only way we're in a position to do something about this for the future. I don't personally care whether Mrs. Clinton herself spends a day in jail, but I never want another Secretary of State selling 20% of our uranium in return for a donation to to, uh, somebody. I don't want it to happen in the future. And the only way to have have it not happen in the future is to have things like Matt does and then to have the uh, new government officials enforce the law the way it is written and i think and we'll that, be in that, a good good place to do that. Yes. Next absolutely.
1: Year. 100% 100% David, i agree and Matt Matt real quick, i got to let you go in a second Matt, but um i want to ask you you know, obama in a lot of ways in my strong opinion uh is responsible for uh the creation of ISIS. Uh the creation of the the, the that organization and I mean, he you know, we see everything he enabled in the Middle East. Uh, we see what uh, he, where he was throwing money to. Um, I know you probably talk about that in your book.
4: Uh, please, though, elaborate. Well, you know, I mean, what happened was that Obama inherited essentially two wars that he did not want to fight. And so uh, the creation of ISIS was essentially the result of the vacuum that was left in Iraq by basically prematurely pulling out our troops. And then, of course, there was other things, the destabilization of Libya, which should have never happened. Libya uh, had been contained. Gaddafi was was, was, not, uh, was was certainly not a great guy, but he had been contained. Uh, there was no reason to have gone in there. And between that and various other things, we, we basically had, uh, you know, ISIS was the result. You know, uh, a lot of people would say, oh, well, it was George W. Bush that, that, that's responsible for ISIS. Well, ISIS didn't form until 2014. And then what we right. saw happen was Obama wasn't accepting responsibility for it. He kept, he kept kind of ignoring the threat. Uh, he was getting right. intelligence briefings that were saying this, this is a problem. He ignored it. He wasn't listening. Uh, he told well, the public, he, the, you know, the whole JV thing.
1: What bothered yeah the JV okay. team and then what bothered me is they didn't take the oil. but uh, ISIS was getting a lot of their wealth and their weapon uh, be, building, being able to build weapons with the oil money. The oil money is how they make money over there.
4: Right, right. and so you know th- this was a problem that that could have been you know could, should never have happened. But when when it was becoming when it was a, a problem that could have been addressed early on, he didn't do anything about it. And so ISIS kept growing and growing and growing, and 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 so it's no coincidence that things have gone the other way. ISIS has been losing ground; they've been losing control of territories. And then and, and then, of course, it's funny even even since then. Now we're getting uh, you know Obama administration uh, alums that are saying, "Well, he's just implementing our policies," and that and this is this right. is a, this is credit Obama <laughs> for this. Like like really? I mean, these these guys are absolutely shameless. I mean, they, for they spent. You know, basically eight years blaming everything that happened on their watch that was bad on George W. Bush, and then now they're saying everything good that happens under Trump is because of them. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a circus. Josh,
1: go ahead, and then, and then Valerie.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I had a, I had a question actually for David. Um, in in regards to you know you think Trump is you know the best uh, at following the Constitution so far, I guess you know besides Obama I, I was kind of curious this is a little bit off topic and a little bit of a history question, um, but who do you think who do you think is up there with Obama as um, you know was very bad at following the Constitution I guess that was Jimmy Carter older, LBJ you
1: know, not... I'd say LBJ and Jimmy Carter but you're not asking me.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think there, it, was,
6: it was an extremely extraordinary circumstance, but I would probably say there's only been one president to suspend habeas corpus, and that would have been Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Amen to a, that. There's a, a specific uh, provision that says, you know, that only Congress can suspend habeas corpus within, within a time of war of the president. Didn't have the authority to do that, and that's that's huge. He actually did jail journalists. uh, The the whole situation. Of course, he had no authority to issue an emancipation proclamation. That's a whole other subject. Uh, But it was a very extraordinary situation. So, but uh, but frankly, Abraham Lincoln was probably the singular most extra constitutional president that we've had. On the other hand. It was a very extraordinary, yeah. extra-constitutional uh, situation. If you're going to talk about Franklin Roosevelt, uh, I would I would put Roosevelt up there in uh, in many places. Of course, we do have the uh, tremendous uh, stain on our situation with the Japanese internment uh, internment circumstances. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that Roosevelt uh, did many many things and certainly created this. Uh, unconstitutional uh, bureaucratic state uh, that we're living under these days. That's uh, that's largely his legacy and largely the legacy of the Supreme Court. He, he appointed. It didn't exist before then. And so so he uh, he's the one that set in motion a, a situation that allows the deep state to exist and prop and prosper. So we can thank Franklin Roosevelt for a whole lot of the problems as well. Um, right. so, but but on the other on the other hand, all these things were incremental from Roosevelt to Obama, and uh, everybody along the way contributed. I mean, Harry Truman tried to take over the steel industry, uh, you know, uh, after 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 Roosevelt. And so uh, there's there's nobody without uh, without a without some significant stains in the in pushing the envelope of presidential power beyond. The constitutional authority, or the, uh, or the authority that was delegated by the United States Congress, I have to say, there's been if there's somebody that's trying to restore the balance of power, trying to get the Congress to do their job, uh, it would be Donald Trump. And strangely enough, uh, that's part of the judicial philosophy uh, that uh, exists in Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, he's uh, ruled against the administrative state and opined against the administrative state in many, many places, indicating that if the Congress has not specifically given an administration of power, it, then it doesn't have it. Uh, and right. so uh, Kavanaugh is a, is a good contributor to getting us back, getting back to constitutional government. I look yep. forward to seeing him on the court. So the trend is so strong in favor of constitutional government and uh, you know Kavanaugh's writing indicates people have have the most liberty when the powers are properly separated properly operated by the people that the constitution gives them to so i'm very very excited about Kavanaugh uh that will continue this trend of getting us back to and that's why I mean, you know that's why the economy is exploding is the uh, rollback in regulations i saw i saw Mike Pence uh a couple of weeks ago, he was, here in, uh, he was here in Illinois, and he was talking about, he says, I don't know, he says that they've undone 22 regulations for every regulation they put in place. And, you know, it idea, idea came to mind while I was talking, while I was watching the vice president, that my grandfather started a beer distribution business by going from tavern to tavern with beer in the trunk of his car. You think somebody would not get arrested for doing that this, today? That's crazy. We kill we, it, we kill innovation and entrepreneurship and, and Donald David, Trump is turning it loose. And David, you're David, you're an attorney, you're a
1: lawyer, you're a former prosecutor. You know with yes. with what's going with what's going on with you know I I mean let let's face it. There's been no president tougher on Russia than Trump. Trump has been very tough on Russia. And all this talk that Trump and Putin are lovers and best friends, I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. If anything, Putin, like I've said many times on the show, wanted Hillary to win so he could get some more Uranium One favors. But but here, here, here's what I'm getting to. President I, believe Trump, they did, I believe
6: they did. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and President, President Trump called out the fake dossier, and it's totally a witch hunt. Uh, we even saw it. In the uh, FISA warrant that was released uh, and it was redacted. It, it was a joke. I mean there's nothing there. It's time for Mueller to end this. I mean, there, it, it's a witch hunt. There, there, we've been doing this for a year and a half, and there's absolutely nothing there. There is nothing. And, and you know what you know what really surprises me and disgusts me is you've got Tony Podesta who's getting offered immunity, to testify against Paul Manafort. How many presidents has Paul Manafort worked for? How many politicians has Paul Manafort worked for? How long has Paul Manafort been around? Many, many years, but all of a sudden, Trump, he he worked for Trump for a month and a half, and they think they can get information from him on Trump, but there's nothing there, and they're doing this just to get to Trump and uh apparently he's in solitary confinement, Paul Manafort, and all of this terrible stuff.
6: Yeah, that's a that's a whole another uh crazy crazy situation there is not a, two things uh, two things. Number one is uh, everybody goes around saying that there's been 30 indictments all that. The fact is is 28 of these indictments Russia three uh Russian uh, companies and 25 yep. Russian uh, citizens, uh, none of whom are ever going to see the inside of an American courtroom. And I don't know when it was that the Justice Department got in, uh, got appointed to run either uh, the State Department or the Defense Department. These were uh, allegedly the last 12 uh, group are all Russian uh, military officers, in which case, yeah. uh, that seems to me that it would be the Defense Department should be responding to those folks. And if there's an issue with uh, with this situation, it would be the State Department responding to the uh, situation. A show indictment is a completely political act, in which yeah. case the 20, 25 or 28 of these things, because there's three Russian companies and five twenty five 25 Russian, uh, Russian individuals. Right. That have been indicted, none of whom are, are alleged to have done anything with Americans. In which right. case, there is not a single thing. And this Manafort investigation was in place, was going, was ongoing before the appointment of the special counsel, right? In one, right. So the only thing you've got, to let there. So there's nothing there that should have been needed a special prosecutor. None of the any of that could have been handled by the Justice Department for. Uh, Career professionals. So the only thing yeah. is uh, that they've got is General Flynn, who in fact, uh, Peter Strzok himself said he didn't believe General Flynn was lying. Uh, right. And so, 25 million dollars later, all you have is General Flynn uh, and a uh, on a suspect uh, on a suspect indictment, which the judge apparently refuses to sentence him on. Figuring that sooner or later they're going to withdraw the guilty plea and drop the charges. I uh, I have because they keep pushing back, uh, and the judge that originally Judge Contreras that was originally involved in Flint's case w- recused himself from the case further uh, because apparently yeah. Judge Contreras was the guy that was good friends who, and going to cocktail parties with Peter Struck, and so uh, so the judge the original judge on the Flint case is gone. And so, all this year and a half later, all you've got is a ruined life of a thirty-year, uh, thirty-year uh, 30 veteran and, uh, and, and general of the uh, lieutenant general of the army, uh, and that's 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 all. And, 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 an, and an investigation and a prosecution of Paul Manafort that was ongoing before the special counsel went into business.
2: Exactly, that's it.
6: and it's not even from anything to do with Trump. No, it's uh, it's totally and utterly unrelated, uh, and so they're running that as a political operation as well. Uh, the whole it's, issuing the uh, issuing these indictments on the uh, on the eve of the Helsinki summit obviously was a political maneuver uh, by the uh, by the uh, by the special counsel, you know. And so it's just, it's
1: it's,
0: just it's, another talking
6: point.
1: I mean, for that for the Democrats at this point, I mean they know they're guilty. But they're going to do everything they can to deny, 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 to flush, to flush, to
6: flush. Which is why you got to keep the house. You have to exactly. keep the house, and I, I can't, uh, I can't emphasize that more to, uh, to people that they need to get out, and vote where they can to uh, maintain their representatives, uh, and uh, in the other circumstances where there's vulnerable Democrats, and they are. Uh, I'm, There's, I don't believe there's any kind of this whole blue wave stuff is just as much as the Hillary was going to win was going to win the election. There's, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a big red. So
1: this will be a big red wave. It's gonna be a red. It's gonna be a red tsunami. You watch Uh, the 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 you know the the party of Trump is is going and going and going. And it's not stop. It's not stopping. It, it's moving faster and faster. Everybody's climbing aboard the Trump train, and uh, you know people are seeing the the, the reality. Um, you know, I I do um, real quick want to get into, and I know everybody probably wants to hear it, talk about this for a second. We have a few minutes, but uh, the Michael Cohen tapes, which really bothers me, um, Michael Cohen. Uh, and there was a, a an audio recording released uh, today online a few hours ago of Michael Cohen secretly recording him and Donald Trump's conversations regarding certain payments to mistresses and uh, you know porn stars and other things.
6: Um, and apparently, well, apparently, it, apparently it only deals. Apparently, I've listened to it. Mm-hmm. And apparently it only deals with one particular uh, circumstance. uh, You're right. uh, right. There uh,
1: is one. There's only one right now. But what I'm reading, uh, and I've been reading a lot, and I've been hearing sources, there's numerous tapes that are going to be coming out uh, of Michael Cohen recording a lot of different conversations with him and Trump with Trump not knowing
6: Well, where my problem lies. I mean, you're an attorney.
1: You're an attorney. You're you're an attorney. I mean, and you live in the state of New York. What is the penalty for uh, recording, especially if you're an attorney like Michael Cohen, and you're recording your client without him knowing? What is the penalty for that?
6: Well, uh, number one, I'm in uh, I'm in Illinois. Uh, Oh, you're in Illinois. But number two, uh, yeah, which uh, has different uh, different recording laws than uh, than New York. But in New York, actually, the uh, New York is what they call a one-party uh, permission state. That is, you do not have to get the permission of the party on the other side of a recording to do that. That's not the law in Illinois. It's a, Illinois is a two-party permission state. But the law in New York, uh, so Cohen apparently didn't break any laws. That's not to say that he did not break any uh, uh, ethics uh, that would have, uh, ethics rules of the bar of the state of New York. That's uh, something I'm not, not certain of, but but who do, who disturbs me more uh, in this whole situation is the raid on Michael Cohen's office. Totally That's unnecessary. Place. Number one, it's unnecessary, and number two, if there's going to be attorney-client privilege in this country, which yeah. is one of the underpinnings of of, uh, of how our and, d-
1: and how David, so real, David, real cars. quick. David, real quick, you're getting to a good point. Totally out of bounds, what they did. Their whole investigation and case was supposed to be about Russia. It was not supposed to be about getting tapes about porn stars or payment copies to porn stars or stuff that Trump did in his personal life. Keep going, though. Sorry.
5: Well, that's
6: that. That's true. But I will tell you that uh, that in the Cohen investigation and the and the raid were not uh, conducted uh specifically that by the special counsel they were conducted by the uh, southern district of new york uh the uh, uh, u.s attorney's office of the southern district of new york now my understanding is it was upon of referral of information that came across from the special counsel's office but nevertheless the uh, the raid and the execution was done by the uh, folks in the southern district of new york I believe, was, I believe it was. Schneider,
1: I believe it was Schneiderman. I believe it was Eric Schneiderman, but we all know what happened to him. I think this happened. I mean, he or I think he had that happen, but then shortly after, he was
6: uh, gone. Uh, no, of, uh, no, no. Actually, he, he, was the, he was. He's the attorney general of the state of New York. This is. This was the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, but. Uh, so it, it, it wasn't it wasn't Schneiderman's work that uh, did that. We do know what happened to Schneiderman uh, properly so, and uh, and and I, I certainly won't be um, mourning the loss of his uh, his political career. Uh, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that, exactly. That, but, exactly. Uh, but it's and, extraordinarily disturbing that they should yeah. raid an attorney's office um, uh, under uh, a variety of pretenses. When you know the real target is not the attorney, but the client. And uh, the idea is to uh, maintain attorney-client privilege. And it's very, very disturbing that they went after Michael Cohen in that fashion. When there was every indication that Cohen was appropriately cooperating, there's ways to to get information from attorneys that 99% of attorneys will cooperate with. And uh, so that that was just an attack on the whole underpinning of the systems that we work under. Absolutely.
4: So true.
1: We have about a minute and a half left. Um, Matt, are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, excellent. Yeah, Matt, Matt I'm definitely going to bring you back on. Um, I, I, I've loved having you on. Um, I do want to make some announcements, though. So, the Senate, Uh, to everyone. The Senate did confirm today that Robert Wilkie is Trump's pick to lead the VA. Um, We have American jobless claims dropped to the lowest level since 1969. 1969. That's amazing. Unbelievable. When you talk about an economy that's doing better than ever before, Um, I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. Um, But, uh,
0: But, Matt,
1: um, I I, I want you to promote um, – tell us – we have about – you have about 30 seconds, but tell us a little bit about this part two and then promote whatever you have advertised. And I'm going to have you back on very
4: soon. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a part two. I would call it just an expanded edition of of the original book. A lot of the same stuff is in here. Uh, It's called The Worst President in History, the Legacy of Barack Obama uh this new paperback is out today uh get it on Amazon and also get uh the previous book The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama uh, that's out in hardcover also uh get it on Amazon and I think these two books uh will shed a lot of interesting light on the Obama years that uh need to get out there
1: Absolutely and I have a lot more you know Obama questions and stuff that we'll need to ask you, so we'll bring you back on soon. Um, but yeah, great, that's awesome and
2: uh, David Shistokas,
1: uh, buddy, you can promote whatever you want, go ahead.
2: well, of course uh,
6: you know, one of these days we're gonna talk about creating the Declaration of Independence, which is my most recent book, you know well,
2: um, yeah oh, we will. but we always we will. get
6: tied up in so many things for our, you know, but I, I creating the Declaration of Independence. Is the most recent book. It's on Amazon, uh, both in uh, both in paperback and Kindle. Uh, follow me on Twitter @shestokas, at Shestokas at S H E S T O K A S, and pretty soon we should get together and have uh, have Shane Bouvet, the fellow whose book. Who's which book I'm working on right at the moment, and of course Shane right. is the uh, that that's friends with the president. And the president actually has written him two personal checks, one for ten thousand dollars and one for five thousand dollars. It's an amazing story, and that's going to be part. Uh, that's uh, that's a central part of the New book that I'm working on with Shane. We need to we need to get on with Shane one of these days.
1: We, we definitely will. We'll have him on. And uh, Josh, go ahead, buddy.
3: Yeah, just uh you can follow my Instagram at joshhlavaty. Yes, absolutely. And
1: um and you know, uh I will be um there'll be no show tomorrow night, guys. I will be at a special VIP event for America's toughest sheriff and my good friend Joe Arpaio. Uh he uh is uh getting endorsed by a bunch of uh, big big names and, and notable people tomorrow night. Uh, so it's gonna be a very fun event. And uh, he's gonna be the next senator of Arizona. It's gonna happen. Um, I'm very excited. Um so i um I want to say thank you to all my viewers. Uh, please check out the donald dot com. Again, that's the donald j dot com. You can visit rorysoder TV. You can also visit getyourappbuilt.com again. That's getyourappbuilt.com. I want to thank all my advertisers. I also want to announce uh, my new uh, media company, the Next Gen USA, uh, will be released very soon uh, within, within the next week or two. Um, I know I've said it's it's and it's it was supposed to be released a while ago, uh, but we've had to do some uh, back end work and some tech, some more extensive tech coding to it. But it's it's. Uh, done uh, pretty much and it looks fantastic and you all will very much enjoy it um so everybody um i want to thank again all my guests all my co-hosts and um all my audience and uh we will see you on thursday night uh, i'm rory Soder. thank you for listening god bless cheers